0: The kingdom of heaven is something we're, to keep, we're not to keep at arm's length, all right? It's something to hold close. It's something to value more than anything else in this life. We're to treasure it beyond compare. In Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46, Jesus shares two stories that invite us into the joy and obsession of those who know the value of the kingdom of heaven and with glad surrender have, have given up everything to have it. Let's read it. Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let's pray. Well, Spirit of God, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Help us to reevaluate what we're running after, what we're giving ourselves to, what we value. Fill us with a joy that can't be taken away and a passion for the kingdom of heaven. In Christ's name, amen. Well, here we are in this series titled Seek First. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus' primary message. This is what he proclaimed. The good news, the joyful announcement of the kingdom of heaven, of, of God's reign, of the arrival of the king. Why is this Joyful announcement. Why is this good news? Because the promised Messiah, the promised King, is on the scene to confront evil and call people into his kingdom, to actually do something about our broken condition. That's good news. And it requires a response from all of us. Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or is near. Repentance is a change of direction, it's what it means. It requires turning away from the alternate kingdoms that we've given ourselves to and coming out of a life with ourselves at the center. It involves a whole life response of allegiance and love to King Jesus. That's what this is about. In chapter 13, verse 1, begins with Jesus sitting by the sea and great crowds are gathering all around him, so much so he needs to get into a boat just offshore he sits down in the boat while the crowd stands on the shore, and he teaches them many parables, all of which explore the nature of the kingdom of heaven or what it's like. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, was well, like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has. He buys that field. Three points will help us walk through these parables. First, delirious joy. Second, lifelong obsession. And third, glad surrender. The first is delirious joy. There aren't aren't a lot of details given in this parable. It's, It's really short. But we do see the man's emotional state. We don't know who this man is. Maybe he's a day laborer. We know he discovered treasure buried in a field. How did he find it? Was he digging? Was he plowing? We don't know all those details, but we do know three things. He covered up the treasure. He was delirious with joy. He sold everything he owned in order to buy the field so he could have the treasure. That much we know. Delirious with joy? What are we talking about here? The man was unhinged. The kind of joy you have on the front row, okay? Like dancing type joy. Like giddy. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I should laugh or cry type joy. If you look up delirious with joy, the definition is wild. Like wild with excitement and enthusiasm, zeal and earnestness. In other words, the man was very happy. Very happy. It, it says, then in his joy... He goes and sells all that he has, everything. So just imagine how his friends and family might have, what they might have thought when they saw this happening. Like, what? What are you, what are you doing? Aren't you overreacting? Aren't you being irresponsible? Isn't this a little hasty? A little overzealous? A little reckless? But they don't know what he knows. Others might think, oh, how noble of this man, how sacrificial to do such a thing. Is this irresponsible? Is, that what this a picture, is this a picture of irresponsibility? Or is this a picture of sacrifice and self-denial? Or is this a picture of something else? I mean, self-denial and sacrifice are part of it, for sure. But up to this point, we have no reason to think that this man didn't value his possessions. I think this is a picture of reevaluation. Some comparison is going down. I mean, all of a sudden, his possessions, they look look cheap. His perspective changes, and it didn't take long. If you notice, within moments of his discovery, he realized he found something of great value, worth much more than all that he owns. How long had the treasure been there? How did it get there? We don't know those details. We've got to remember that there were no formal banks. uh, I mean, as we know them today, And so oftentimes people would take their valuables and and bury them in a field or hide them in a cave, especially if they were traveling a long distance away or, well, especially if they were being invaded. This treasure could have been there for decades, even centuries. And legally, I mean, the rule was if you find it, you get to keep it. But decisive action here is called for. Decisive action. There's no time to waste. He wants to make sure he can keep the treasure. He just doesn't want there to be a legal dispute over the matter, and so he decides, I'm going to purchase the field so I can have the treasure. There'll be no question that it belongs to me. And that purchase required all that he had. There would be something incredibly irresponsible about not making that sacrifice. The point is simple. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure worth selling Everything to possess. Everything. And so, we should define the kingdom again. The kingdom of heaven describes an activity, God's reign. And when Jesus came on the scene announcing the kingdom of heaven is near, has arrived, we're hearing the words of the king. Of the kingdom. Jesus, the King, is on the scene, like I said, to confront evil and call people into his kingdom. This is good news, glorious news of freedom, rescue, of restoration. This is good news of God's love and grace and victory. Jesus, the one with power over darkness and power over sin, power over death. The one who's able to reconcile and bring the peace we long for and the wholeness and flourishing we were made for. He's the one who brings the new life and the relationship with God and transformation and healing. All this hope and rest is only found in a life surrendered to him. A treasure? Valuable? Unlike anything. Unlike anything. This is my favorite parable. If I had to pick one, I'd pick this one. It's short, it's easy to remember. It reminds me of the surpassing value of the kingdom. That whatever I've given up to follow Jesus, it pales in comparison to what I've gained in him. It reminds me of the call on my life to live with this wholehearted devotion to Jesus. It pushes me every time I read it to reevaluate what I'm running after and why. When we forget the value of something, we can find ourselves treating it, either either treating it poorly or neglecting it altogether. Get used to it. We forget its value. I don't want to forget the value of the kingdom, what it means to know Jesus and be found in his kingdom, to live under his righteous and loving and good rule, the freedom and the love and the joy and the flourishing that comes from it. I don't want to move away from that. You know, every now and then you might hear a story of a really valuable masterpiece found at like a, a yard sale or a thrift store, Casso. Or recently I heard of a Salvador Dali drawing that was found at a, a yard sale. And what this means is that there were a lot of hands that held on it, uh, that picked it up and looked at it and, and, and just they arrived at the conclusion that it wasn't worth the $5 that it was listed for. (laughs) They assessed its value essentially as worthless when it really is priceless. How many ears have heard the good news of Jesus and assessed its value as worthless? Do you know the value of the kingdom? If so, how is it shaping you? How is it shaping your life Jesus' most popular form of teaching was in parables. He loved stories and metaphors that helped to bring definition to the kingdom and helped his listeners of every age to better understand the nature of the kingdom. And so I want us to consider the parable not only as a way to explain and deliver an idea or a teaching, but as author Kenneth Bailey describes parables as a house in which the reader or the listener Is invited to take up residence. I like that. If we view Jesus' parables as as a house in which we are to take up residence, it keeps the parable from being something we just hear and discard and move away from. It's actually something we're to sit in or live in and view all of life through. In other words, it becomes a worldview. A worldview is created through the parable. The parable becomes a lens through which we view all of life. We all have a worldview. And so I want to encourage us, step inside. Step inside of this parable. I can remember over 18 years ago, something happened when I read this parable. I remember because it was before my oldest was born, uh, and he's almost 18. But I remember reading this, and I would read it before, but something happened where it just, it pulled me in like never before. And what happened is I stepped inside. Philippians chapter 3. We read Paul's letter to the church of Philippi, and we read the words of a man who had stepped inside of this parable. Verse 7 But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Why would he say that? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as what? Garbage, rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. This righteousness, this right standing before God, it's from God, it depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. What's going on here? He's saying, I consider the things that I was placing my confidence in. He had just before that listed all these things he had placed his confidence in as a religious leader. I consider them as rubbish. The word really means dung, less excrement. Why? Why did he consider them as rubbish? Oh, he said, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, Paul came to a place of understanding that it was through faith in Jesus that deliverance would come and forgiveness and acceptance and love. They'd be welcomed into citizenship of this kingdom. He received a new identity and a new purpose to walk out. But that's not only true of Paul. It's true of anyone and everyone who places their faith and trust in Jesus, who would bow their life to him as king and surrender their lives gladly to him. Oh, do we see what what we've received in Christ? Is it valuable to us? In view of this, he says, I press on. In other words, he's saying, this is what I'm running after. I'm running after Christ. This is what I'm running after because this is what I value. And so, let me encourage us. Throw off complacency. Throw off indifference and apathy towards the kingdom of heaven. Can you pray, Lord, expose any beliefs or lies that have lulled me into this sleepy indifference when it comes to the kingdom? I don't want to live a life of sleepy indifference to the reign of Christ and all that it means. You know, Valerie and I, we really like the show Antique Roadshow. You with me? Hey, who's got Okay, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I said we like Portrait Artists of the Year. And now I'm saying Antique Roadshow. You know our Friday nights are awesome. just incredible. But when they, that moment that they share the, the value of the antique to the person who's brought it in, and you know the person when it's really a high price and it's worth so much and, and, and they almost fall over? I just love that. Like, man, <laughs> totally shocked. I'm happy for him too. I'm like, yes, that ugly thing is worth so much. But after they show its, its value, after they, they uh, at the end of the uh, show, they show its value, um, you know, however many years it is uh, later, you know, maybe it aired four years ago when it's showing its value in present day. And sometimes its value remains, Uh, sometimes it goes down, sometimes it goes up, but has the kingdom of heaven, however many years it's been, lost its value in your eyes? Has the kingdom of heaven lost its value? Its true value remains, regardless if you acknowledge it or not. You see, many, many, many experience this joy that was described by the man who found this hidden treasure, this buried treasure. But then grow callous and indifferent. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've become so absorbed with or caught up in your alternate kingdom that you're building, the busyness of life, the pace that you've been running is just distracting you from what Jesus is calling you to. Some reassessment is called for, reevaluation. And Jesus repeats his message. It's his way to emphasize his message only. He repeats it slightly, in a slightly different way to make sure that we hear it. And he says it this way. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is a lifelong obsession. Unlike the man who stumbled upon the hidden treasure, this is a merchant, a pearl expert. I picture this guy just with beads of sweat, you know, like feverishly looking for that pearl. He knows, uh, he knows pearls. He's got a good handful of some that are just beautiful, but he's looking for, for, for like that flawless one. He's in search of fine pearls. You know, sometimes the kingdom is revealed to those who aren't even looking for it. The man in the previous parable seemed to stumble upon this treasure buried in a field. And so maybe that's you. You're going about your business, going about your life, and someone presented the gospel of Jesus, the good news of who he is and what he's done And and what he has for you. And it just rocked you. came alive. You weren't even looking for it. For others, maybe you're like this merchant. You've been asking a lot of questions for years. You've been longing for answers. You've been searching diligently for truth. And now, finally, it's all starting to come together as you read the Bible. It's all starting to come together as you hear about Jesus. It's coming alive. You know, there are other pearls. But none compare to this one. And this one requires the giving up of all the others in order to have it. The merchant had in his possession some high-quality pearls. But when he found the one pearl of great value, what's his reaction? It was the same as the guy who found treasure. He sold everything he had so he could have the pearl. So think lifelong obsession. Now, the word obsession, to be obsessed, it means to have the mind excessively preoccupied with a single emotion or topic. You know anyone like this? You know anyone who's obsessed? Maybe you're obsessed with pickleball. Maybe you're obsessed with your dog. Maybe you're obsessed with the kind of shoes you wear. I don't know. Is your mind excessively preoccupied with the kingdom of heaven? Is your mind excessively preoccupied with the reign of Christ? We're all seekers. We all live for something. We all set our hearts and our minds somewhere. Jesus wants his followers to have their minds excessively preoccupied with the kingdom of heaven, to be so transfixed, so gripped by it, that it puts everything and everyone else in their proper perspective and becomes the filter through which we view all of life. Are you obsessed? I'm talking excessive preoccupation. Uh, Are you in awe? Are you captivated by who Jesus is, and his rule and reign over our lives, over all. You know Jesus calls you to follow him, but what is that doing to you? How is that shaping you? And that leads finally to glad surrender, the giving up of everything to follow Jesus. You ever see a a potter center a lump of clay on a potter's wheel? They're very aggressive with that clay. Throw it down on the center, push it down really hard, get some water on there, push it down some more. And they have to be that aggressive. Because if it's not centered, it'll, it'll become lopsided and, and start to flop around and, and maybe collapse. And so they have to center that lump of clay so they can raise it up. Well, the same is true here. It's happening through Jesus' teachings. He's bringing these, this, the teachings on the the kingdom of heaven, and they have a centering effect on everyone who hears them or a re-centering effect. Has something or someone else taken that central place that belongs to Jesus? Maybe that person or that thing is is fighting to remain central in your life even as I speak. Both parables describe men selling all that they have all that they possess in order to possess the treasure or the pearl, they made the comparison and were invited to do the same. And, and, and Jesus would teach this way. He would always call people to make a, the comparison. Let's say, let's say you gain the whole world but lose your soul. What good is it, Jesus said. Will you joyfully abandon everything else to follow Jesus? Jesus said, you must take up your cross Daily to follow me. Crucifixion. It was and remains this shocking metaphor for discipleship a willingness to give up everything else, to let go of self rule, of your own autonomy, and replace it with obedience to and dependence on Jesus. And so taking up your cross, or in this case of these parables, selling all that you have, it isn't just one big scary sacrifice that you did like 25 years ago and you're like, I'm glad that's done glad I did that. No, it's meant to be the choice of every moment of our life. It's meant to be a lifestyle of glad surrender, of joyful submission to Jesus the King made possible because of the glad surrender of Jesus on the cross. My glad surrender to Jesus as King is made possible through his glad surrender. And so yes, I gladly surrender my possessions and my ambitions My whole life, it's all on the table. My career, my money, my plans, my future, my family, my health, everything, it's on the table. And why shouldn't it be? You hung on the cross, Jesus. I'll put it all on the table for you. Seek first the kingdom, Jesus says. The parables of Matthew 13 illustrate the immeasurable value of the kingdom and the wholehearted response that Jesus requires of anyone who would follow him. This is ultimately, we could say, about loving Jesus more than anything else in our life and protecting and cultivating that love and then battling anything and everything that would threaten to make Jesus second place in your life. And if you found that he is second place, the solution isn't just to try to love Jesus harder. The solution is to tell him Like, tell him that you want to love him more than anything or anyone. Tell him you're not strong enough on your own and that you desperately need him to do a work in your heart, in your affections, one that enables you to make much of him. That's the place to start. Fill me with joy, give me an obsession. Passion for your kingdom. Help me to walk with glad surrender. Church, the kingdom of heaven isn't something we're to keep at arm's length. It, isn't something to hold clo- it is something to hold close and value more than anything else. The treasure. Jesus invites you into the joy and obsession of those who know the value of the kingdom. Do you know the value of the kingdom? You are invited into the joy and obsession of those who know the value of the kingdom and with glad surrender, give up everything to have it. You might have some friends and family that think you're weird for doing it, a little reckless, but that's only because they don't know the value of it. Not yet. Do you? Does it have a hold of you? Are you living in it? Is it shaping you? Are you viewing life through it? In every way. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we ask that we would be a church community that values the kingdom more than anything else, that would treat it as the treasure it is. Your rule, your reign, who you are and what you've accomplished. I do pray, Lord, that you would, for anyone here who has come to the realization that you've not been central, you've not been the most important thing in their life, that you would lead them graciously to a place of repentance, which is an expression of your kindness. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. That there be a change of direction and a renewal that takes place and for all of us that we would move forward reevaluating, reassessing what we're running after and why and what it means to be full of joy and passion and to walk forward with glad surrender before you. Lord, help us individually and corporately to do that. Oh, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.